So Alex, the other night I was at home with my husband, Kevin, and here's a pretty typical scene in our house. What's the game tonight? The Atlanta Falcons versus the uh, New York Jets. How's your team doing? My team's lost. Now, just to be clear, Kevin's not talking about the Atlanta Falcons or the New York Jets, the actual professional football teams he's watching. He's talking about his made-up fantasy football team. And fantasy football, we'll just say for those of you who don't know, is a game played by millions of people where you have basically an imaginary team made up of uh, real players from different teams around the NFL. Uh, Your fantasy team does well or poorly depending on the real stats of the players that you've put on your team. So, for example, if I have... Peyton Manning, the quarterback on my team, and he throws lots of touchdowns in a game, then my team does well. That week, if he throws lots of interceptions, my team does poorly. And I can attest, fantasy football can become something of an addiction. My husband spends hours every Sunday watching different games to see how the players on his fantasy team are doing, and he'll spend more time online, you know, trading his players, watching injury reports, following every shred of sports news there is. How much time are you spending a day thinking about football? I don't know. I would say at least an hour, probably a day. I'm thinking about it in some sort of way, sure. Oh, come on. It's more than an hour. I said at least. Last Tuesday, you couldn't go to sleep. Uh, that's because I, I three trades in one day. Tuesday. Plus there was controversy. There was controversy that my trade was too good for me. Um, okay, we don't want to hear the details. Um, but you couldn't go to sleep. I mean, you kept no, checking your phone. Well, I, no, I, I mean, I went to sleep. I just no, I stayed up later because I was post-trade talk. And do you remember that you went to do yoga to kind of calm down a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, yeah, as you know. <laughs> I, get the, I get the impression this is a conversation you guys have had more than once. Uh, yes. Uh, this is one of the biggest conflicts in our marriage. You know, I see fantasy football as a massive waste of time. But I wanted to get beyond that, so I started looking into this world. I mean, I'm an economics reporter, and it turns out that this crazy world makes a lot more sense if you look at it as an economic system. Hello, and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Lisa Chow. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Today on the program, Lisa, you will take us on a tour of the very real economy of fantasy sports, an economy with its own markets, its own legal system, financial products. And on that journey, we will also try to relieve some of the tension that fantasy sports are causing in your marriage. It's football on your phone, that's what I said. It's football on your phone, you can watch it in bed. Take it with you wherever you go. Show your friends and watch them all go home. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what is that song? Um, it's a ridiculous commercial for DirecTV that Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are in um, rapping. You can find it on YouTube. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah, rarely have we had such a perfect song for the opening of a Planet Money podcast. <laughs> right. <fine. laughs> right. So you have been on a journey of discovery, trying to understand your husband and his interests better, going through this fantasy sports economy. But pretty quickly, you realized i got to talk to more people besides just my husband, right? Right, yes. Discussing fantasy sports with my husband can escalate pretty quickly. It uh, becomes quite emotional. So I decided to talk to others about fantasy football, and you can really find them everywhere. So it's a Sunday afternoon. I'm at the Whiskey Tavern, which could be anywhere in America. A bunch of people watching football on TV sets all around the bar. 
we met Lisa Sapia, who's in a fantasy football league with her colleagues at work. So I see those people on Monday morning at the office, and you know it's kind of like either you're hiding your face or you're like in your face. A lot of trash talk in the office. Lisa, by the way, it turns out is not unusual. It's estimated that 20% of fantasy players are women. Another group you might not predict as huge fantasy football players, playwrights, like a guy you met, Dustin Chin, who plays in two fantasy leagues. So one of them is made up of um, theater professionals, and another another is from um, college buddies. The theater one, you'd be surprised how many how many artists in the city actually care about sports. So there are 35 million people like this, and a lot of people pay money to join fantasy leagues. My husband is paying almost 100 bucks to be in his three leagues. Some people pay a lot more, hundreds or thousands of dollars. And when you've got all this money coming in, you actually see an economy being born, something we never get to see. Yeah, we do all this reporting here about the economy and how money creates more money, how economic activity leads to more economic activity, more businesses being created, more sort of side businesses showing up. And you can actually see this happening, new businesses being born every day out of thin air in the fantasy economy. Here's one example that blew my mind. There was a traumatic event in the fantasy world. It was Sunday, September 7th, 2008. The Kansas City Chiefs were playing the New England Patriots, whose star quarterback is Tom Brady. Yes, they do. Brady is hurt. He's down on the leg. He got whacked. So unless you play fantasy, you probably don't understand how big a deal this was. Brady is a star quarterback. He was a key player on thousands, maybe millions of fantasy teams. When he went down, it is probably safe to say that grown men cried. But this injury also seemed like an opportunity to a guy named Henry Osheski, fantasy football player and, as it happens, insurance salesman. My buddy Bob and I were bantering back and forth about the injury and how it really could affect a lot of people, you know, him going down so soon. And it just hit me as, you know, could this be an opportunity to put together a program to cover fantasy players against these type of injuries. A program? Insurance. Insurance for your fantasy football team. So let's say your league costs 100 bucks to join. You pay Osheski a $10 insurance premium, and your star player goes down. He'll reimburse you that 100 bucks. I got to say $10 to insure $100. Does anyone actually do that? I mean, is that actually an insurance policy that people take? Yeah. You know, what I learned is it's not just about the money. I mean, it's called fantasy football for a reason, right? They don't call themselves players. They call themselves team owners. And a real owner would have insurance on Tom Brady. So fantasy owners should have fantasy insurance. And because there's so much emotion invested in this, it could give you peace of mind. Here's Lisa Sapia from the sports bar. I think that's a great idea. The year I had Brady, he went out the first week. I was out at the beach with friends. I realized he was out. I ran home to get to the closest computer I could, and I lucked out, picked up Eli Manning, and had a great year with him that year. So, I mean, that, that's a big deal because that could ruin your whole season. Genius. It's a genius idea. So I feel like, and it seems like this could work for you and Kevin, right? Like Kevin is doing yoga. He's so stressed out about all this stuff. Why doesn't he just buy insurance, buy himself some of that peace of mind? Yeah, I asked him about this product. He thought it was a completely dumb idea. He said, you know, the fun of fantasy football is figuring out a way to make that team work again through trades. Okay. But there are plenty of people, according to Osheski, at least, who who don't want the stress, at least a few anyway. Um, he has managed to start a tiny side business in fantasy football insurance, which he says is growing. 
And there's lots of people like Osheski using their real-life skills in the fantasy economy. I mean, aside from fantasy insurance salesmen, there are fantasy bankers who manage all your different league fees for you. There are fantasy consultants who you can hire to help you pick players for your team. And of course, all this tension, there are fantasy lawyers. Hi, I'm Bill Green. I'm an attorney in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area out of Martinez, California. And I'm the founder and CEO of FantasyDispute.com. FantasyDispute.com. So with so many leagues, so many different rules, so much time, money, and emotional energy being spent. Wasted, some might say. (laughs) Or wasted in fantasy sports, there are bound to be disputes. And not just the kind between you and Kevin, Lisa. Right. Disputes between actual players. Now, most fantasy leagues have what's called a commissioner, which is basically the guy at work who collects everyone's entry fees in a shoebox. But occasionally, you know, this commissioner will get in over his head and need some outside help, which is when he'll call somebody like Green. Now, these disputes can get pretty arcane. See if you understand anything about a recent case Green received online. Okay, here's the dispute. It comes from a commissioner. I am the commissioner in a 12-team startup dynasty league. Our waivers are first come, first serve, and we have a taxi squad that only rookies can be placed in. If you have no idea what a dynasty league waiver or taxi squad is, that's sort of the point. Green has been playing fantasy football for 20 years. He currently plays in four different leagues, and he knows all the jargon. And he has legal training. He charges $14.95 per dispute to utilize this very specialized skill set. My husband, Kevin, he gets into fights all the time with the other team owners. I have to hear about them constantly, and I have no idea what he's talking about. But Bill Green is happy to hear the details from Kevin and other fantasy football players. I'm sorry, team owners. So the most common dispute you get is an allegation of collusion between two owners. So collusion. In other words, I'm in a league with my cousin. My team is doing well. My cousin's team is doing badly. He and I agree to a trade. My worst player, say wide receiver Mike Wallace, for my cousin's best player, say running back Adrian Peterson. My team then becomes a lock for the championship. We have Adrian Peterson after all. And his team, which was going to lose anyway, just loses worse. And we split the pot. And then suddenly everyone else uh, raises up their arms and say, wait a minute, that's crazy. No one would want to trade Mike Wallace for Adrian Peterson. And everyone cries foul. For $14.95, they can hire Green to arbitrate instead. Lisa, this actually seems like a great solution for you, an actual step you can take, right? You know, because how do you feel when Kevin comes to you with all these arcane disputes among different players in his leagues? I have no clue what to say. Right. And so now you don't have to say anything. You can just give him 20 bucks and this guy Bill Green's business card and say, go talk to this guy. It could help. But I have to say, the more I looked into the fantasy economy, the more I realized the fantasy economy is not my friend. It is not set up to make the spouses happier. It is set up to suck even more of my husband's time. Now, let's think a little bit about how fantasy works. For normal fantasy players, they pick their teams at the beginning of the season, and then they follow that team all season long. They watch the games every week to see how their players perform. But the payout only comes at the very end of the season. Now, imagine if you could pick a new team and get a payout every week. That's what the founders of this new business called FanDuel made possible. FanDuel is this online platform where you can pick a new fantasy football team from scratch every week and play against thousands of people. 
No longer do you have to wait to the end of the season to see who gets paid out. And no longer can you only play against the same 12 or 10 people in your fantasy league. You can play against lots of people, get paid out every week. And this is a very real company that makes very real money and even has very real offices. So in the corner over here, we've got finance. So I went on a tour of this office. You know, imagine startup, long tables, lots of Apple computers. We've got product operations, product management, and a lot of customer support. That's one of the company's founders, Tom Griffiths, and he's managed to do what a lot of successful startups try to do. Take a cut of all this money sloshing around. Right, you've got millions of fantasy football addicts out there, and what he did is just give them a place to, you know, pursue their addiction, basically, right? They come online, play in leagues with all sorts of different people, and his company, FanDuel, takes 9% of whatever they pay to play, right? And then they pay out the rest. And these payout numbers, they'll give you an idea of how fast this company is growing. In 2009, the year FanDuel launched, it paid out $100,000. The next year, the number was over a million dollars. Fast forward to last year, we actually grew to pay out $49 million. And this year, our forecast is that we will be paying out over $135 million worth of prizes. That's insane. (laughs) This company could be very bad news for my marriage. Apparently, people using this site, who used to play the old-style season-long fantasy, watched 17 hours of football a week. Now they watch 24 hours a week. That does seem bad. Did I mention I have a (laughs) one-year-old? I knew that, but no, you didn't mention it. (laughs) So I got to ask, though, did you learn anything that helped you feel better about Kevin's fantasy habit? Actually, the more I learned, the matter it made me. Because there are people who are spending just as much time as Kevin does, but they're actually getting rich doing it. If you think about it, choosing a fantasy team is a lot like investing. You've got all these players who are kind of like stocks. You have to figure out how they'll perform in the future. And your team is sort of like a portfolio of stocks. You can reallocate your investments, so trade players. And there's research. Here's Tom Griffiths from FanDuel. We know guys pour over statistics. They build spreadsheet models of athlete performance, um, how certain athletes perform um, against certain competitors. So, for example, in our baseball games, people pay a lot of attention to pitcher, batter uh, matchups, lefty-righty matchups. What uh, stadium are they playing in? What altitude is that at? What is the weather going to be like? So all of these factors come into play when you're choosing your lineup. And there are some people who have the special touch. There's one guy, basically the Warren Buffett of fantasy football, goes by the online handle Condia. So Condia is a name that everybody knows. He is the biggest player on FanDuel. You see him in a lot of the the tournaments. And really, he's a bit of a celebrity on site, so when he posts in chat, it causes a stir. Um, He's a bit of a mysterious character. We don't know his real name, where he lives, But we can see how much he's playing every week, about $100,000 per week. Cal Spears runs a fantasy website called Roto Grinders. And you go into one of these lobbies and you'll just see Condia, 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 Condia at every buy-in level, at every game. So I picture this guy in sweatpants in his basement, like smoking cigars, obsessively trolling through NFL injury reports. But, you know, he could be a math professor in a tweed coat or a 17-year-old. I tried everything to find this guy. He's a recluse. I got several messages to him, but he never agreed to an interview. But there is one recording of him that you can find online from 2011 on another podcast. 
It's the web's only podcast completely devoted to daily fantasy sports. Great podcast today. I've been pumping it up the last couple days about the one and only Condia joining us here. On this the is amazing. We're actually about to hear his voice. But let me manage some of your expectations here. Like a lot of genius investors, he's not that great of an interview. Quite an impact. Tell me how you found out about Daily Fantasy and how you got started. Um, I actually started on FanDuel um, week 11 of last year, I think. Okay. And I made some pretty good money last year, so um, I thought it was a pretty good investment uh, to put a lot of money in it this year. And um, week one, I did really good, but week two was really horrible. There you go. The Warren Buffett of fantasy football. Turns out sometimes investors talking about how they do it is a little bit like artists talking about how they do their art. You right. Just, right. just want to watch them do it. You don't want to hear them talk about it. So, Lisa, I, I do want to ask. So you spent all this time looking at this world, looking at this fantasy economy. Did it actually help to ease any of the tension between you and Kevin? Not really. <laughs> it didn't ease any of the tension, but it did at least help me diagnose the problem in economic terms. The tension between Kevin and me is what economists would call a negative externality, the hidden costs that come from otherwise productive economic activity. Right. The classic examples of externalities are pollution or, or noise. Loud noise is sometimes another one. So, for example, a bar on the corner, it makes a lot of money, it makes a lot of people happy, but the noise from the bar keeps the neighbors up. That's a negative externality. Yes. And Alex, I present to you the negative externality that's imposing costs on my life. Do you remember the draft? The draft of 2012? Yes. Yeah. Tell me about the draft of 2012. <laughs> well, our son Isaac was born a few days before that, so I hadn't done any research. And it's with a bunch of people on the West Coast, so it didn't start until, I think, 10 o'clock at night. And it's an auction draft, so every single player is bid on, which takes a lot more time. So it was basically three and a half, four hours with a, a baby that was five days old that would not stop crying. Do you remember feeling my pain when Isaac was crying and you were sitting glued in front of your computer for four hours? It was painful for me, too. You think I like being up at 1 o'clock in the morning with the baby screaming, sitting here clicking on something? I don't even know what I was doing. Just every 10 seconds, it's like you got to decide if you're going to bid or not on something. It was intense. So I was wiped out. So I was in pain. Did you feel my pain? That's a better, that's a better question. Did you feel my pain? <laughs> Lisa, did you feel his pain? <laughs> you know, it strikes me there's another business that could that you could start, another spin-off from this fantasy sports economy. This would be directed not at the actual fantasy players, but at their significant others. Fantasy marriage counselors? Yes, exactly. Fantasy therapy. Let me ask you a question. What do you get when a football gets down with your phone? I cannot believe how bad they are at rapping. I've never heard people worse at rapping than Eli and Peyton Manning. It's amazing. We'll post a link to the whole video on our site, npr.org slash money. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, concerns. You can write to us at planetmoney at npr.org. Or you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, or Twitter. I'm Lisa Chow. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening. It's like I spilled milk all over your blouse by accident or on purpose. It's like the milk is like football and your blouse is the phone. It's football on your phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's football on your phone.
football 